For years, I was so fed up with shampoo, I just stopped washing my hair. I quit completely. I was so sick of poofy, frizzy, limp hair, distorting my natural oils. Until a few months ago, I found Modern Mammals, and it changed everything. And by the way, right now you can visit modernmammals.com and use code LSS for 10% off. So check that out. So look, I heard about this through the podcast, and before I agreed to advertise, they sent it to me, and I was reluctant. But let me tell you, I should not have been. This stuff is absolutely magical. My hair felt better, smelled way better, and most importantly, looked better. And I know it will do the same for you as well. It doesn't have those hair-ruining chemicals like other products, and it doesn't leave any leftover residues. It works. Don't believe me? Go read their awesome reviews online as well. Go to ModernMammals.com and use code LSS for 10% off. Again, that's ModernMammals.com for 10% off with promo code LSS. Don't forget to use our promo code LSS so they know we sent you. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Everyone, and welcome back to yet another episode of the podcast, Lead Singer Syndrome. I am your host, Shane Told, and I don't always talk like this, but I'm talking like this right now. Okay, I'll, I'll bring it down a notch. We got a great episode with Kevin Jordan of This Wildlife. I don't believe he's related to Michael Jordan, however... This guy is the goat of acoustic punk rock music as far as I'm concerned. I love this guy so much. We've become, we become good friends ever since we did a podcast. Was it five years ago? It was a long time ago. So it's great to catch up. They've got a brand new record. Just came out. It's called Ever Blossom. And the big story here is this release is independent. They have left their longtime label, Epitaph, big label, by the way, very big label. They have left and they're doing it themselves, which is a big undertaking, but so far so good. The record is killing it and it is such a great record. And they even recorded themselves. Very, very impressive stuff. Kevin and I talk about that and so much more, and we're going to get to that in just a few minutes, but while I have you, I want to remind you that my band Silverstein, we're on tour right now. 
we're doing this thing. We're doing the thing. And it's exciting, you know, because we couldn't do the thing for a very, very long time. And the shows are selling really well. People are coming out in droves. It's very exciting. So if you want to come see me, see us in the flesh playing actual live music, because you may be a little starved for it, head over to silversteinmusic.com, okay? And get your tickets, because they're going fast. So don't sleep on those. Um, Other things you can do, like supporting the podcast, you can go to leadsingersyndrome.com slash all access. That is the link for the all access club, where for as little as $6 a month, that gets you in and that keeps this thing coming at you for free because I rely very much on my sinners to contribute because let's face it, there's a lot that goes into this show and I do a lot of it myself and I do really appreciate all the support. And of course you get stuff. I don't leave you high and dry. You get tons of bonus material, bonus episodes, interaction with me, interaction with other fans of the show, merchandise and more. Okay. Leadsingersyndrome.com slash all access. It's been good lately, right? The show, we've had so many great guests, so many great episodes, and I want to take a second to thank all the sponsors that have been jumping on board to also support this thing. If you hear an ad, you know, listen to it maybe. Don't skip over it. Listen to it because that does go a long way in helping out, and I do appreciate it. I do appreciate all the amazing products that are advertised on this show They're all things that I use or things that I believe in. I don't just take anything. So at least hear their pitch because it's some good stuff. Also, whatever you're listening to this on, hit the subscribe button. That matters. And if you like the show, feel free to write a review on iTunes, preferably five stars. And tell a friend, tell a loved one, spread the word. Let's keep this thing growing, okay? Anyway... It's time. Let's get into it. And my conversation with Mr. Kevin Jordan of This Wildlife. Here he is. Kevin, what's up, man? <laughs> it's like looking into a like a mirror that makes me more beautiful. <laughs> You're just like a little bit more extreme than I. Like the beard's crazier. <laughs> the shirt's like got a few more. A little more colorful. Exactly. Exactly. Um, but dude, thank you for thank you for coming on. Thank you for doing this. Welcome everybody yeah. on Twitch. Welcome ever for everybody on the podcast side of things. You've been busy, man. You've been a busy man. Uh, I'm glad it looks that way because it doesn't feel that way. Come on. There's no way. You're like the busiest dude ever. That's, you know, the highlight reel of, of Instagram. I've been at a snail's crawl for like two years now. <laughs> I'm ready to wind up though. All right. All right. Cool. That, that works. <laughs> Whatever. Um, well, 
part of the reason you're here, and not just because we're good friends and we love to hang out, is because you have a brand new record out that just came out on Friday. Yep. Ever Blossom, your fourth full-length album. And the biggest, I guess, news of this one is uh, it's not on Epitaph Records. Yep. Obviously, a huge independent label, one of the biggest ones. It's not on that label. It is independent, put out yourself. Yep. Completely, you called all the shots on this one. Yeah, we self-produced it. Um, Anthony and I kind of just built out similar recording rigs. Uh, I've always kind of been interested in recording and I've always been like a sponge in the recording studio. Mm -hmm. So I had a lot of experience just doing demos over the years, like like I think a lot of people. Sure. But Anthony, on the other hand, had zero experience. So he just bought all the same exact equipment I have <laughs> and got on YouTube and started learning how to record his own guitar parts so that he could send them to me. And... You know, I mean, the record was made at a really slow pace because we were recording it ourselves and kind of writing as we went. Uh, we we would finish songs before we'd move on to the next, you know, piece instead of going into the studio and hammering out all the drums, hammering out all the acoustic. It was very one song at a time uh, and less methodical. So it took like a year. Right, right. And you guys are obviously separated now. You know, you're from California, but you're not living there anymore. Right. Uh, uh, you're in Arizona and I believe Anthony is in Utah. Is that correct? Yeah, he's in Salt Lake City. So yeah, that's not, that's not a hop, skip or a jump away. I mean, you could maybe have gotten on a plane, but COVID and everything. So right. was there, is there a challenge there? We did one song together. But but aside from that, we did it all separately. And and honestly, that really wasn't any different than it has been in the past. Um, he's always been really prolific with writing guitar parts. Right. So he kind of just sends me a barrage of riffs and then I kind of sift through them, see if something jumps out at me. If it does, I'll work out like a verse and chorus demo, send it back to him. And then we decide if we love it. And if we love it, then we'll go down the rabbit hole, finish the song. Uh, do all of the all of the layering and textures and stuff, but yeah, that that didn't really present any obstacles for us. So I guess in a way, we were already prepared mm -hmm. to make a record that way. Absolutely, and, and you know, uh, the marketing side of it, which is kind of more important than ever. You know, um, used to be when you were talking about working with some kind of distributor where you know CDs were going in stores and there was marketing, and that was like all kind of handled separately. Now, like. You're talking about, it's a bit of, it's kind of the wild west out there. Things like playlists are important, you know, for people that don't know, like on Spotify and stuff, that's a big part of how you get streams, how you get people to know about your music. Like this is a world that I imagine being on Epitaph for the last three records, you kind of weren't super familiar with going down this, this route of being independent. We've kind of always been pretty hands-on and attentive to that kind of stuff. Um, you know, Epitaph was, was great for us. They were super supportive. They always let us be in the driver's seat on everything. We got to choose singles. We got to choose album art. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, they were never sending a, you know, record label stooge to the studio to like check in on us or anything. Right, right, right. So, I mean, and, and that's the thing that I will say about Epitaph is that like financially, they were incredibly supportive. Um, our last record, Petaluma, we went to like a Grammy award-winning producer and, you know, I mean, this guy before us, he had done the Lumineers record, Vance Joy. Right. So I mean, we basically had no business being there <laughs> and they paid for it, you know, and it was incredibly expensive to make that record. But we looked at it like, well, we have three, we're, we're doing three records with Epitaph and this is the last one on the deal. Let's, uh, 
let's rob the bank here. <laughs> let's let's just have the experience. And we kind of knew going past that that we were going to have to switch gears and start doing things in a more cost-effective way. Right. Uh, and thus uh, self-producing this new record. For sure. And did you mix it too, or did you have somebody do that? We had somebody mix it. That's not something I'm confident enough in. I, I just think for something like that, you want to hire somebody who does that stuff day in, day out. Oh, yeah. Because And I did some test mixes on like the first single and everyone liked it. And then we got a test mix done. We go, okay, well, that's like 50% better at least. So yeah, we're going to go with that. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, a guy named Jason Sawito uh, mixed the record. He plays in a band called Sir Sly and he produces all of their records. And he has been involved with This Wildlife since the very beginning. So he produced and mixed our first EPs. He mixed our first two records. So he, he's always been kind of that extension of the band. Absolutely. No. Well, congratulations on the record. It's out now, everybody. Check it out. Ever Blossom. Um, and, you know, one thing that you did is you obviously self-produced your own video too, paid for it yourself. Yeah. Uh, videos, I should say. Yeah. But uh, obviously the the biggest video. The creme de la creme. The cre exactly. <laughs> I, I love that. Um, uh, if it's cool with you, that video that's great. Um, Thank you. How much how much roller skating experience did you have before that? Uh, so I, while we were recording this song, that's the only song on the record that was produced outside of our bedrooms. We went to Jason Sawida to do that track in January of 2020. And while in the studio, I was like, dude, the groove of this song, like I could really see like you like at the roller skating rink, just kind of carving it up to this song, you know? <laughs> and you know, light bulb in my head. I was like, yeah, music video is, is roller skating. So, and right. my initial idea was let's get a bunch of dudes that look like real burly, like bikers and like tattooed guys, uh, big bellies. And like, let's have them do like synchronized skating moves. <laughs> and so my ideas, they, they always start really like grand. And then we go, all right, let's, let's, <laughs> let's make this more realistic. So realistic turned into just me roller skating. Right. Yes. And that so so that was over a year before we filmed it. I had the concept in my head, and then we kind of like developed it as we went. But I immediately started practicing <laughs> because I didn't have any experience really. Uh, I skated skateboarding as a kid, right? But roller skating is hard, man. Like <laughs> to to look smooth doing it for sure. It's actually pretty difficult. But I was doing it all over. I live in Phoenix, Arizona. I was doing it through the summer, and you know sometimes I'd throw up an Instagram story and like put the little temperature thing on. I'd be like 110. I'm just out on the blacktop in my neighborhood, just skating around. <laughs> so it took, it took a lot of effort and then, it, you know, it took two days of shooting out in the desert and that was hot. We did it in summer as well. Right, right, right. So it was grueling. You would not have known, man. You looked like a natural. Like I thought you were going to tell, tell me this whole, like your parents took you roll your roller skating club when you were like four no. years old. I thought there was going to be some big backstory like that. Um, was that, is that Joshua tree? Where, where did you film that? Yeah, we filmed it out in Joshua tree. We, and we, um, we like looked online. We're like, Oh, do we need to pull permits for this stuff? And it was like, the permits were, I don't know. They were like kind of expensive. And then we're like, well, how much is the fine if we get caught? And the fine was the same cost. I'm like, we're rolling the dice with this thing. We're not paying for a permit. <laughs> well, yeah, I did. I did wonder about, um, pouring the motor oil on the road in a national park, <laughs> but, but it's in the middle of the road. It won't be the only oil on the road. I'm sure. No, no, no. Okay, we've gotten shit for this. It's not motor oil. It's coffee. Uh, it's an almond milk bottle. And I printed out like the Pennzoil thing or whatever and taped it. I'm glad it looks convincing because I thought it looked really shitty. <laughs> In person, it looked horrible, but it was literally just 
iced coffee inside of an almond milk jug with the fucking thing printed out, taped onto it. So that's movie magic. <laughs> yeah, that's right. I have to ask the tough questions so we get to the bottom of this. You know, we got to set the record straight on this stuff here. If I was pouring motor oil in a fucking national park, I'd be happy that you're holding my feet to the fire. <laughs> yeah, I had to ask. I'm a good guy. I'm a good guy. I care about the environment to, to some degree, at least. I am holding a bottle of plastic water right now. <laughs> and the video itself, um, and I do want to talk a little, like a little bit about the record and some of the you know concepts and everything going on with this. Um, obviously, it's like you, you know you and Anthony are together. He's like the Grim Reaper chasing after you. Yeah. Um, now I can't help but think about the dynamic that you guys must have being a two-piece band. We might've touched on this a little bit last time, but you guys have to fucking get along. Yeah. Like there's no third person to kind of deal with things. And there's no tiebreaker. Yeah. You guys have to get along and you can't help but see that video and wonder if that's, part of you know <laughs> i never thought of it that oh, way okay. I, it crossed <laughs> there my was mind. just nobody else to play the reaper that, that's funny though <laughs> you know it's interesting you ask that um the the funny thing is that anthony and i are like completely different people i am artistic and emotional and he's a sports guy and he's totally not emotional uh and so <laughs> you know we grew up in totally different areas i grew up in long beach california he grew up in pittsburgh so just totally different upbringings. The only thing that really brought us together was music, man. Yeah. Uh, we, we worked together at Guitar Center and just realized that we listened to a ton of the same bands and, you know, thus starting the band. But, you know, we had a really rocky, our, our relationship at the very beginning was great. Uh, and we almost got, we, you know, when you get too close to somebody and you start to resent them for the reasons that you liked them in the first place. Hmm. Okay. So we had that and, and we had a really rocky relationship, honestly, for years, um, and I think part of it was like the, the more unhappy we were in our personal lives, the more that spilled over into band stuff. And now at this point, we have probably the best relationship we ever have at, the, at this point. And also our, our personal lives are better than they've ever been. So the, there's, there's definitely some link there. But yeah, during the, this whole record process, we've just learned how to work with each other artistically, business-wise. Like we really, really like allow each other to use our strengths and we don't step on each other's toes. And that was something that was like a huge learning process for us. And normally if you like, you know, inner politics, if you have a band and there's five guys, you know, you buddy up with somebody and you can get away from them, but we don't have that. I mean, we've spent so much time just in the closest proximity with one another. So it was important for us to have that. And, and honestly, like we had discussions over the years where, you know, like I'd get kind of buzzed and I'd be like, man, what happened with us? <laughs> you know? uh, <laughs> it was one time in a pool in Vegas. I was just like buzzed. I think it was an off day on Warp Tour. I was like, man, we're living the freaking a life that we never thought that we'd be able to do what we're doing here. Right. And it feels like some days we can't even enjoy it, man. You know? And he's like, yeah, I know. I'm, he's like, he's like, I'm glad you said something, you know? Cause it was just like, there was just like some staleness there that was untalked about for a long time. But right. we play call of duty every night. Now, you know, we're making records. We got dogs, we got wives. We're, we're pretty happy dudes now. No, it's, it's great to see. And I'm sure a lot of this comes with, you know, just maturity too, you know? Um, like how old are you now? You're about 30? I'm 33. 33. Yeah. So, you know, there, there, there comes a point where you sort of figure yourself out, Yeah. you know, and then I think that that definitely helps, helps the relationship. I got to say though, about this record, this might be the saddest, most gut-wrenching record ever. Um, and you just said it yourself, how well-adjusted and happy in your life you are and, and you're a funny dude. 
where are you getting the inspo here for the sad boy anthems? You know, I, like I said before, I'm like, I am a pretty emotional dude. Um, but that's very inward on my part. Like I'm not on a daily basis, like breaking down, crying and right. talking to people about how I feel and stuff. And I've always kind of noticed that I have way more balls writing songs than I do in real life. Like I'm very non-confrontational. Uh, and, 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 and in fact, it's gotten into me into problems in my actual life where I write a song and somebody's like, you never said anything about that to me. And then you go and put it in a song and right. blast it out there, you know? And so that, that's something I should probably honestly work on. But I don't know. A lot of the stuff that I write is is very like retrospective, things about my childhood, early relationships. But yeah, I don't, I don't know. I don't know why that that I don't have that in me in my like day-to-day life to just like call things out when I'm upset with things. I kind of just... Mm-hmm. Okay. You know, I just let it go. And then when I am sitting down on my notepad on my phone, that's, that's where my thoughts and, and my, my words go to in there. Then I, and then I sing them as pretty as I can. <laughs> well, I mean, that's like what we do though, right? Like that's the whole, it's kind of a cliche, like, oh, music is my, my outlet for my emotion. I mean, that's, that's like, interview 101 what you're supposed to say i think right that's what epitaph probably coached you on i'm kidding <laughs> i never had a coach so that's interesting though labels no labels like you know when you and and i know anthony's the sports guy but when you see enough sports interviews you're like okay they, someone is telling them like that they yeah, yeah. like there has to happen they've got flashcards like we don't get that in in music i think there's some of the really big artists do because they have like publicists that kind of hold their hand through stuff yeah that's i don't know not not epitaphs or smaller size bands not with the amount we're selling though <laughs> <laughs> yes yeah, so, and i'm here with kevin jordan of this wildlife we're talking about the new record and other stuff so obviously like it's been a really fucky last year and a half shit's been canceled um you know you guys kind of your setup being that you're you can kind of play anywhere with two acoustic guitars if you have to i'm a little bit surprised you guys didn't try to do anything um instead you've kind of waited it out and now with this dashboard confessional tour getting canceled that's a real kick in the ass because now you're sitting here with a new record and not able to play even though you can yeah uh talk to me about the last year and a half and and just kind of the uh, you know the not so greatness of it yeah, it's. I mean, we've been touring like full time since 2013, uh, and I, I know Shane, you've been out there a hell of a lot longer than that. It was a big adjustment because I, I really, I really do well on the road. I mean, some people might, might not like it, and I do get a little bit of like towards the end of the tour. I'm like, all right, I'm kind of ready to be home. Yeah. But that that period, I get home and I kind of feel lost for a while, and it takes me a while to get back into just normal, like wake up, make my coffee, feed the dogs, motions. Uh, I, I really do well on the road, so I've, I've missed it. Uh, and we don't really, we don't have any desire to do the kind of like coffee shop, just a couple of guys and their acoustic guitars thing. Like I'm such a sucker for production and putting right. on a performance and uh, that, that those kinds of performances haven't always really spoke to me because I grew up listening to punk, screamo, hardcore, metalcore. Uh, and, and so like, I'm not the coffee shop kind of guy, you know? And so I don't really want to perform like that. It doesn't really interest me. And I feel like it kind of does a disservice to 
you know, the kind of music that we make, like nothing wrong with doing stripped down performances and stuff like that, but I don't want to take it on the road. And, and it's just not, it's not what my interest is in. So it's, it's been a bummer. And, you know, we were supposed to go out on that dashboard tour, which is like, you know, he's our hero, obviously like it's the closest Sonic, you know, influence that we have. And that was a bummer. You know, we were supposed to be headlining a small stage at slam dunk and doing a headline tour in October we got the offer for dashboard that came in and we go cancel it. We're doing that. Cause we can always do the headliner later. Yeah. And then, you know, it cancels a week before <sighs> that, that was, that was tough to swallow. And and we had pushed off uh, the headliner was supposed to be in the spring. And then we had an offer to do a, uh, a support tour in January. We're like, okay, let's do that. We'll push off the headliner. Another one, do the safe play and, and go out and play for some new people, especially, you know, without a label putting out this new record, we're like, we need to go get this, this music in front of as many people as possible for sure uh, to give it its best shot at success. And then that got canceled. And so now we're looking at like, Oh wow. We're like, okay, well, how, <laughs> we're like, <laughs> we're not taking any support tours. <laughs> we're, we're headlining. Like, I don't care what comes across the, you know, the table. Right. And, and so we're kind of scrambling to put together some holiday shows and then do the next headliner. But you know, for, for people that aren't, you know, part of the industry, bands have been off the road for two years. So everybody wants to be back out right now. And so, getting availability in clubs is really difficult because everything's booked. Everybody wants to go out on the road and earn some money and promote the music that they've probably been working on the last year and a half. Yep. So, it, you know, we're just running into challenges and it's, uh, you know, I guess it's part of, part of being independent and making all the decisions for yourself is that sometimes you make the, a decision and, and, it, and it comes comes bad back at you and it's like well there's nobody to blame we you know we t- we decided to pull the trigger wow. or we decided to to walk away from something that we were going to do so it's it's all a learning process and we're going to make the best of it absolutely no and you're you're right i mean any band supporting right now really is at the mercy of the headliner yeah if they are going to cancel if they are if their covid protocol isn't safe and then you end up with like certain bands we've seen a whole bunch of people get go down and they have to cancel shows and here you are if you're a support band what are you going to do right and it's not on you but it is on you and that is that is tough man especially after all we've been through but well i mean all you can do is you know um continue to promote however you can and part of that is us being here right here on twitch yeah and I want to shout out your Twitch, um, your Twitch channel. Yeah, I think Anthony's live right now. I don't even think he knows I'm doing. That. <laughs> <laughs> That's okay. Uh, yeah, throw up your. I, I forget your handles. I want to get them right. So, um, uh, th- tell the people how people can find you on Twitch. I know you guys just did a live stream on release date. Yeah. I assume you're on there, you know, doing stuff all the time, and that's a great way to. Yeah, pay the bills and also just give your fans something super unique. Yeah, it's twitch.tv slash this wildlife band. Uh, and we're on there, we're on there like five days a week, man. We're doing a lot of like yeah. varied streams. Uh, we, we kind of have scaled back, but we were doing a weekly game show called Name That Riff that was just ridiculous. Yeah. Uh, we'd play guitar riffs and then the chat would guess the song title. It looked like a Jeopardy board, you know, like we built out this whole game and we we're doing prizes every week. Uh, we kind of scaled that back because it was taking up like you'd have to do the whole day ahead of time to prep yeah, to like it's a lot. decide on 20 songs and then learn all of the riffs 
And you know, so I was like programming drums and stuff to some of them so that they'd sound more similar to the record. Like it was, it was a lot, you know, for, for, <laughs> for doing something weekly. So I think we're going to go back to doing that just once a month now. Yeah. Uh, and, and, but, but really go like hard with it and get the production going. Um, and you know, we're doing like live recordings of, of different versions of a songs that we have. I'm taking acoustic songs that we have and making them pop punk on stream. Uh, maybe a little bit of easy core influence in there here, here and there, a couple chugs, <laughs> never hurt anybody, but yeah, we're doing a lot of stuff on the platform and it's really cool, man. It's like, it took me a little bit to get my head wrapped around. Like you go in there and you might be only chatting with 30 people at a time or something. Sure. I, what I found is that like those 30 people are like worth their weight in gold because th- these people are so, uh, intuitive and and they're so connected to the the music that you're putting out they're so supportive and it's cool just to be interacting with the people that love your art the most oh absolutely and i'm I'm all about it and uh yes and if you are listening to this on the podcast side of things make sure you come on to my twitch stream as well twitch.tv slash told of course i plug it everywhere but i'll plug it one more time so the last time we talked uh on this podcast, I remember it was at the very height of Pokemon Go popularity. Yes. I, I have to I have to say, I kind of shot myself in the foot talking about it on the podcast because people like will come up to me still at shows and be like, Hey, can I get your Pokemon Go friend code? I'm like, I haven't played that game in years. <laughs> and I was going hard I was going really, really hard for like a year and a half, and then I just completely fell off. So let it be known. I'm not giving out my friend code to anybody. I'm not sending you berries or whatever the hell they have in the game now. You're not getting nothing from me. That's funny. Well, you know, I talked to you about it. Yeah. And this was like right when it came out, right? Like maybe a week or two after. It was hot. And, you know, my my opinion at the time was like, Pokemon Go, Pokemon Go, fuck yourself. Like I was really <laughs> not into it. And I never, I was, I'm older than you, right? So I, it wasn't like really in my wheelhouse of, you know, for my age. Yeah. Um, and then I downloaded it to see what the hype was all about. And then I got into it and I still have, I still play it once in a while. I, I was on there yesterday, actually. Um, you know, they do like the Halloween. If you're just waiting somewhere for coffee or something, you're just like, yeah, like they do the Halloween stuff. So they have, yeah. And, and the game has gotten a lot better than it was like, it, it got kind of boring when you've already caught like most of the Pokemon and there's right now there's all kinds of more battles and, and like, uh, you know, challenges and missions and shit. So, but, um, I was thinking about that. And then I was thinking about how at that time we were also talking about your record low tides that, that was, I think just coming out or had just come out. Yeah. And it's funny. I, I think that that is maybe my favorite album of yours next to the new one. And I don't feel like you would agree with me. Um, you don't really play those songs live and I, I don't know. I think it's a great record. I love the record. Like I, I, I think it's some of the best music that we've written. Okay. Um, it didn't resonate with our fans. Uh, and, and I think we kind of made a mistake along the way where we said, well, we made a record that was dark and moody. So now we need to be dark and moody. Like we need to be different, you know? Right. And we're like, well, we don't want to tour with like a band like this because that's not in the direction that this album has gone. And that was a misstep on our part because I think 
And I think it's something a lot of bands do where they're like, yeah, this isn't really warp Tour, you know, like this is different. So we're going to be different. And so it was like, oh, let's hire a photographer that does different stuff and they'll dress us in different clothes. And like, you know, we did a, we did a whole photo shoot that we threw away because it was just like, you know, they put Anth in a leather jacket and it was just like, who the fuck are we? You know, like looking <laughs> at it. And as much as I love the record, I think some of like the business decisions that we made along the way where we like turned down some tours because we were like hoping to get something else, you know, that didn't come along. It's oh, like, right. you know, we could sit here and wait for daughter to take us on tour until the cows come home. And if we wait, we will literally never go on tour because daughter's never going to take us on tour because we're a corny acoustic band who's played Warp Tour three times. Just never going to happen. And as much as we love their music and, and even if our music would work uh, for their crowd, it's just not going to happen. I mean, we went to dinner with uh, City and Colors manager one night, and we were like up for a t- up for a tour with City and Color, and the man- manager was just like, "Yeah, it's, with you guys being on Epitaph and doing Warped as much, like Dallas is really trying to go the other direction, play more festivals, have bigger looks and stuff." It was just like we were just basically told like that's not going to happen. So it was like, okay, so. And I'm, gl- and I'm glad to hear that because you know what? That puts us in a position where I go, I'm never going to wait around for that. Right. I'm not going to try to position myself, you know, or the band to get those kinds of opportunities because I don't want to fight an uphill battle. I want to play in front of crowds that want us to be there and tour with bands that, that would like to have us on the road. So hmm. that whole cycle had, had a big misstep to it in that way. And, and I think, you know, we kind of chose singles from the record. The The biggest song from the record was a B-side from the record called a song called Break Me. Uh-huh. We literally left it off the record because we said it's too much of a sing along. You know, you know, so right, it was like, there right. was just some decisions like, along the way that that we kind of, you know, crippled our own our own opportunity for success. So I look back on the album lovingly. Anthony doesn't like it as much as I do. OK, because uh, I just he likes more up tempo stuff. But I love, I mean, the sadder, the sadder and moodier and darker it is, the more I love it. So that record to me is, is might be my favorite, this wildlife record. Well, and I feel like do you do over time, yeah. over time, people have, have learned to, to like it more. And so when we, when we kind of like bag on the record on Twitch and stuff, like the, the chat is always just like, no low tide slander in this chat. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I think it's great. And you know, it's funny, I, I would say, yeah, I understand like City and Color has, has grown into this huge thing and and is very mainstream um, and hugely popular. But like, yeah, you and Dallas, like you guys are two of a kind, like where yeah. you come from and, and your background and everything. You think that would be kind of what, you know, people would, would want because that's, that's, that's real, you know? But of course, hey, there's always, uh, there's a million bands, right? Yeah. And, you know, it's, it doesn't always work out. We, we, our dream tour back in 2004, and it's funny because Alexa on Fire did half the tour and we did the other half, was when we got to tour with Hot Water Music. And we realized pretty quickly that we weren't, our fans weren't the same fans as Hot Water Music fans anymore, even though they were our favorite band. Yeah. So it, it is really interesting how things tend to evolve and, you know, who you become as a band isn't always what, like your influences either. And I think it's interesting because like it was the decisions that we were making during that cycle of, well, if we tour with bands like this, it'll position us to be more like that. And then, and if we tour with that band, then maybe we could play this festival. And if we get this festival, then we'll be more likely to be played on the radio. So it's always like this game of, it's like the, 
degrees of separation of Kevin Bacon, right? You go, oh, well, if we <laughs> bring out this band, then people are going to think we're more Indian. If we play this venue instead of this venue, then we're more alternative. And, and it's this game that I think a lot of people play with their careers to position themselves. And what, from what I have seen, at least for bands that begin in this space that, that we exist in, it almost never works. I mean, it's like a 99% failure rate. Yeah. It, it, it's like the classic pop punk band goes to major label to try to make a, you know, a radio smash and then no one fucking cares. Right. And so, it, it, you know, it's like with, with somebody like Dallas, as big as he is, he still has aspirations, you know, to do other things. You know, he maybe he wants to play Coachella or Bonnaroo or he wants to tour with Bon Iver, you know, and like, he's not getting closer to doing that by touring with a band like this wildlife or bringing out a screamo band or something, you know? So it's like, that's right. There, there's always going to be decisions that you have to make along the way of how you're going to position yourself. And I understand when other people do it, but I also understand that when we tried to position ourselves in that way, it was a, just a total failure. And it was like the next album cycle was like, we're touring with pop punk bands again, baby. <laughs> we're back. We're back. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it is funny. And it's the same thing when you see a band touring with, I don't know, like pop evil and you're like, Oh, they're going for active rock radio now. Oh yeah. It's every metalcore band does the exact same thing. It's like two albums, success, success, success. And then we want, we want out baby. Like we want out. <laughs> we want to be out with POD. We want to be out with, you know, fucking Chevelle or whatever. And then, and then they go make that record that has like, you know, songs about freedom and breaking chains and, and, you know, just like more clean vocals. And it's like, you, you've taken all, you've, you've totally disenfranchised all your fans that really love you and got you to where you are. And then you didn't reach the people that you tried to. So what happens? You know, you just, you just shrink. Yes. And I, I won't name any names, but there's, oh, there's been a lot of metalcore bands that have done that. And, but it's, you know, it's a learning process. hundred percent. And, and beers and vinyl says, I've seen Guar play Bonnaroo. I'm sure this wildlife would be very well accepted, <laughs> which I, I have to assume is sarcasm, but, uh, Hey, you never know. So, so with low, low tides, um, being your second album, being that kind of pivotal sophomore album, you know, that everyone talks about, it's hard to have sort of a not widely accepted second album. Uh, I don't want to say bad second album because it's not, and then kind of recover from that. And you actually did a really nice job of of that with Petaluma and now cycling into this, despite Petaluma coming out at sort of a, a time when you had like a year, maybe a year and a half before things shut down. Is that something you think about? Is that, is that Does that drive you crazy thinking about some of those mistakes? I know you just touched on them, but... Not exactly, because I think there's so much that we have learned through, you know, and I call them mistakes, but it's like, you know, for instance, on the low tide cycle, we are like, well, we have a serious record, you know, this record like touches on a lot of dark topics. And so it's like, so live, you know, we got to like have interludes between the songs and right. not be joking around up there. And, and, you know, production should look this way. And, and it's like all of those things. I was like, and then we got, went out there and finally did it. And, and there'll be a song on the record. Like the first song on the record hit the reset. I love that song. And then we go play it live. We go, my God, this song is a snoozer. Right. So you go out there and you learn. And it was like Petaluma was a reaction to going out and playing slow, sad songs for a year and a half. It was like, let's write some fun shit to play because have, making a record is fun and then it's done forever. Then you have to go play those songs forever. Yeah. And so Petaluma was a response to that. And like, let's write songs that we want to go out and play 
often and, and enjoy playing them because some of the songs that, that were fun to create in the studio didn't translate live as well as we hoped that they would. So it's like, I don't, I don't regret it, but it was like, that's a record I like to listen to. <laughs> if that makes sense. Playing it is, you know, it's all right. It totally makes sense. Um, that's, it's really interesting too. Cause like, I, you know, I've gotten to know you over the years as like just a really fun dude, like a funny dude, um, a dude that I don't think serious at all. So I feel like part of it is like Petaluma and the new record and clouded are more to your personality as well. And that's important, right? Because people see through that. And a lot of people want to go to your shows, even though it's emotional music and it's sad that there is something people are smiling when they're singing your songs. You know what I mean? Yeah. There, there's definitely some like juxtaposition there of sometimes, sometimes we have peppy, happy sounding songs and it could be about losing a loved one, you know, like, yeah. And that, that was something that like, I really appreciated from like one of my favorite bands is Paramore. Yeah. And you listen to after laughter and it's like, it's an eighties, like, dance pop album and then you listen to it you're like oh this album is about her getting divorced you know like the 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 juxtaposition of that i've always really loved that because it's something that i can continue to listen to i don't want to listen to really depressing records all the time you know like it's like i have to be in the mood for them uh but there's albums like like that by paramore where it's like you could put that on any minute of any day throw it on when i get in the car and it's like i got no problem with that bumping on the on the stereo yeah, absolutely, man. Um, I'm going to open up the chat to any questions that anybody may have uh, for Kevin. I see a good one there. But first, uh, your band is about 10 years old now, right? You guys you guys at the 10-year mark? For first EP we put out was 2011, yeah. So congratulations on that. Uh, are you planning on doing a 10-year band tour? Is there going to be any kind of album, you know, anniversary or, or anything like that? That EP was so wildly unsuccessful that if we were to do it and we have talked about it, like the Shane, you're probably not familiar with, with Long Beach as much, but there was a pizza place there called DP Oz's and they've got a stage. That's where all the local bands play. Okay. And so that's where like our first shows were at. We're at DP Oz's in Long Beach. Right. And so our joke was, well, if we're going to go and do like a 10 year anniversary show, it's got to be at the pizza place, obviously. But the question is, are we successful enough now that people would perceive it as cool? Like, oh, they're playing at the pizza place. This is awesome. Or would they be like, damn, they have really fallen off. They're playing the pizza place. <laughs> and I think we're too, it's too much of a gray area. Like if we were more successful, I'd be stoked to do the pizza place again. But yeah. I really don't want people to think that that's all we could do. Because our last show, uh, we did just like a one-off show uh, and we sold 1,200 tickets at the observatory in, in Orange County. It's our biggest show ever. Yeah, and so the to do the next show at the pizza place. <laughs> I mean, it, there might be something poetic and beautiful about it. Maybe we do do the pizza place. We'll see. Well, you got to play the EP. If you play the EP, then that's then then I think I think it's cool. And then, and then that's the other part is that it was so wildly unsuccessful that we might not sell out the pizza place if we just play the EP. <laughs> there is um, it, it there is something to be said for that when you when you see the bands doing the underplay tour and you're like. Eh, right you know like yeah, yeah, yeah. did you sell it out because <laughs> if it's an underplay it's supposed to sell out if it doesn't sell out then you're right where you're supposed to be yeah <laughs> and i've seen that and i've seen that exactly i totally have too there's there's no question the, the problem with this wildlife because we're a small club band is that our underplays where where would we go would we would we just play pizza places and coffee shops because they don't make small clubs that are only like 
a hundred cap or something, you know, <laughs> like we play three to 500 caps and maybe bump it a little bit in some markets, but like across the board, you know, we're a small club band. I, you know, I've, I've always been very realistic. I don't try to like blow smoke up people's ass and make it seem like we're the big band. Cause we're just like, I feel like we're the working man's emo band. You know, we're just, yeah, we're at a level where we're making a living, but we, we talk about it all the time. We go, we're dangerously close to just uh, delivering Amazon packages on a weekly basis. <laughs> you might, it might, I might just show up at your house one of these days, knocking on the door. Well, at the same time though, and I don't know how much you talk about this, but you, you're slicing the pie only in half, right? Between two members of the band, which when you think of bands like, I don't know, the Wonder Years, they got six. Yeah. You know, they got six people in their band or a ska band might have seven or eight members in the band. That's yeah. that gets tougher. So at least you have that, right? I mean, Oh, a hundred percent. Yeah. If we were a five piece band, yeah, we'd be, we'd be coming home and working, you know, jobs and stuff. But, but we haven't worked since like 2013. So I got fired from guitar center in 2013 <laughs> and haven't, you know, haven't updated my cover letter <laughs> since. So. Dude, I, I could never work there. I I don't even like stepping foot in that place, man. I was horrible at it. I worked there with Anth and he was, he was like a really good salesman, not because he was like smooth talker, like car salesman, because he was just fast and he would not like take anybody's shit. Like if somebody was wasting his time, he would just literally walk away from them. And then <laughs> I would get stuck with them because I'll shoot the shit with anybody for any period right. of time. <laughs> and I wasn't motivated enough by money at the time to be like, I got to go get sales. So I was just, I was the worst salesman. All right. Here's a question from Rich Hall. The real question is, what is this man's beard care routine? <laughs> I literally use just like the cheapest shampoo they have at the grocery store on, on my beard. And then any kind of beard oil that they sell at like Target or Walmart. Just anything. <laughs> so I, I don't know. I don't do anything. And I, I uh, blow dry it because otherwise it wants to go out, you know, and, and just look insane. But you know what? All press put me up for like the best beard in the scene award or something like that or some some contest a while back. And I lost the thing to Jeremy McKinnon. And I get it. Oh. I get it. Jeremy's he's a goat. You know, he's he's Yeah, but he's his beard game is fine. It's fine. Yeah, he looks good, you know? He yeah. And it was like it was me, Jason Alon, uh yeah. Devin from the color morale. It's like Okay. I mean, any of these guys could could knock out Jeremy. This is just this is a popularity contest. And I've been slandered and not, and, and you know, I've had beef with all press ever since. <laughs> a lot of people have had some beef with alt press though. That's you're not alone, but, um, Hey, so is their subscriber base. Hey, Hey, uh, Ooh, Mike, uh, Mike Shea's my, my homie forever. Oh, sorry. Sorry, Shane. I will never forget when no one knew who the fuck we were. And, uh, uh, they wrote a half star review of our first record, which, <laughs> I don't believe anyone had ever been given a half star. We were going to be the first (laughs) and victory. This is, this is, I, Mike Shea could, could tell me if this is, could tell someone this is true. This is what I heard. And that they pulled the review because victory was threatening to pull all their ads. If, uh, if they ran it, if they ran it. So our first record was never reviewed by alt press because of that. Well, you hear about some people where they'll have like a really shitty review and then 10 years later, they're writing an article about 10 years after this album came out and like glowing review. It's like, this was literally reviewed 10 years ago, poorly in your magazine. Yeah. But I, it's all editorial. So 
Yeah, it's true. These it's one person's opinion. In 2021, what is a review worth? You know, like we used to chase that kind of stuff, like pop, like press and stuff like that. I just don't. I don't think it's useful anymore. I really don't. I don't think anybody is going. You know what? I was going to check that record out, but let me see what this other guy thinks about it before I just press play on fucking Spotify for free. I know. You know, it's like th- there's no barrier to entry anymore. I'm like, I'm going to find out if I like this record so much faster by just playing the first song than me reading some long-winded, you know, gum flapping about how the how the album was written and whether it's mature or not. It's like <laughs> I, I just like could give two fucks about reviews about anything anymore because it's. Why do I need you to listen to it before I do now? I don't have to go to the record store to buy it. So there's, it's like, it's no cost to me to just listen. It's true. I mean, I think it's more just the awareness of someone seeing it and going, oh, they have a record out. Okay, I'll listen to it. Sure. I think that's the only thing is just to get it. And almost like if you have a scathing review of how bad the record is. It might garner more interest. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> exactly people oh shit i gotta i gotta listen to see how bad this record is if it's that bad and then people listen to it and go oh it's actually not that bad or at least you got a at least you got a stream out of it you got a stream it's you, um, got, you, you got your fraction of a cent what a weird world um but kevin i know you got to go um for another interview i do want to thank you for doing this i do want to congratulate you on the new album ever blossom which is out now everyone check it out and doing it yourself that's Really, really, really cool and pretty scary. And I, uh, I, I think it's amazing. Well, thank you, Shan. I appreciate you. Uh, let me jump on the platform with you. Obviously a, a fan of everything that you've been doing with this. Uh, it's like, what episode number is this now? You, we're getting close to 300. Jesus. I think this, this might be like 295 or something when this, when this comes out. So it's, we, we did 20 episodes of name that riff on Twitch. And I thought that we had accomplished just a gigantic milestone. I was like, we had an idea and did it 20 times. That's insane. So the fact that you're getting up to 300, man, c- congrats on, on that. Yeah. Well, I, I have, I only do half less than half the work cause I have guests. So it's easy. I don't have to plan, plan as much, but, uh, Regardless, man, um, th- uh, thank you for being here. Everybody check out This Wildlife on Twitch, twitch.tv slash This Wildlife Band, right? That's correct. Got it. Cool. Kevin, thanks, man. Alrighty. Thanks a lot, Shane. I'll talk to you soon, buddy. One last question. Uh, you got a favorite song from the new record? Can I play? Uh, yeah. Let's go with Last Call for the Heavy Hearts. Let's do it. We'll play that on the podcast side. Thanks, buddy. Cool. Thanks, Shane. Kevin, cheers, man. Peace. And there he goes. Kevin Jordan of This Wildlife, one of my favorite people, a funny dude. Make sure you check out the new record and of course, the video as well for If It's Cool With You, I'm Cool With Being Through. Uh, Great video. And I love the Joshua Tree, by the way. It's just that place is so my speed. Um, And I love they have the whole cactus theme and everything. It makes perfect sense. So yes, check out that video and everything they're doing. And hopefully they're going to do some shows and you can buy some tickets for that as well. Dying to see them live. They're one of the best live bands too. And it's true what he said. They don't take any uh, shortcuts. They don't cut any corners with their production or anything. It's top notch. And I love that about them. All right. I am going to leave you with a tune. And of course, this one is uh, right from Kevin's recommendation. Track two 
on the new record. Here it is. New music from This Wildlife. Last call for the heavy hearts on Lead Singer Syndrome. Peace and love. See you next time.